Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch Podcast, where we talk about all the fantastic games that Blizzard Entertainment puts out. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Matt Rossi, and with me this week are two, I'm going to say glorious co-hosts. They're just glorious. They gleam like the sun, the sun of Southern California, which is where they're going this week, because this week is BlizzCon. First up, everything under the sun herself. She does everything. She's amazing. Anne Stickney. Anne. Hi. Hi. How are you? Now you you talk. (laughs) (laughs) Now I talk. (laughs) I don't have a lot to say. I'm about to like, uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to haul everything into a car and start driving to Anaheim. So that's been my weekend. My whole weekend has been packing and getting ready and making sure I don't forget anything. Oh, have you forgotten anything? No, not to my knowledge. And if I did forget it, then I obviously don't need it. There you go. That's, that seems accurate to me. Yeah. Also, since he likes to jump in, uh, I do. (laughs) <laughs> Our editor-in-chief and overall Grand High Poobah of the site, Alex Zebart. How are you? Hello. You're getting ready to fly, right? Yeah, Wednesday morning. Uh, hopefully my flight isn't as terrible as it's been every prior year. But uh, Well, I'm sorry, we'll but last, last year's flight gave us Texas stories. So I think, yeah. quite frankly, yeah. we have to well, hope for similar. Look, if my choice is getting to Anaheim on time and it not being terrible or entertaining people on Twitter... I would rather get to Anaheim on time. <laughs> Your priorities are just all out of whack, man. I'm sorry. There's only sure. there's only so many years I can provide that level of entertainment before I snap. Yes. But it could be longer than that. All right. Um, normally, right around the st- here on the show, we do top stories. But correctly, there's really only one b- big story this week. And that story is, of course... The Overwatch beta. No, it's not the Overwatch beta. Yeah. It's, that, that's it's, last week. Old news, man. Nobody cares about Overwatch anymore. I do, but this, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> this, week, this week's big story is, of course, the Blizz, BlizzCon convention, which is, I believe, it, is it Friday opening ceremony? Is this Friday? Yep. Yep. Thursday so, uh, is all of the community parties. Friday morning is opening ceremonies. So this Friday, uh, BlizzCon will be starting, and we're, you know, of course, you know, this being Blizzard Watch, we're kind of real excited and also at the same time somewhat terrified of what, what's coming because it's going to be a convention and a lot of us are going to be on the ground working it. And those of us that aren't there are going to be basically spending all of Friday and Saturday and Sunday glued to our computers, desperately trying to parse what's happening. So overall, uh, we're all really excited about it and it's a, it's a big deal. So that's, that's pretty much it for top stories this week though. Um, yeah, I mean, what are we, we're expecting more Legion information, Yep. Uh, new heroes, Heroes of the Storm, possibly a new adventure for Hearthstone. Hello. Warcraft movie trailer. I was gonna say the Warcraft movie trailer is premiering yeah. at the opening ceremony. That's kind of big. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> a big deal because you know that's starting to look like a serious presentation there. So. So there's there's potentially that. a lot going on. Yes, uh, I'm actually really looking forward to the Warcraft movie, if for no other reason than to watch Travis Fimmel be Lothar. Yes. But, if anyone can pull off Lothar at this point, that guy probably can. Um, and they got Rob Kaczynski to be an orc, which, you know, although let's let's be honest, Clancy Brown's in your movie as an orc. You, that's everybody else can just kind of stand around and just let Clancy Brown be Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm he, still, uh, his, the voice he uses to do Grodd in the Flash TV show, I expect is exactly the same as his Gul'dan voice. Hmm. Well, he's not Gul'dan, is he? Is Clancy Brown no, he's not. Oh uh, no! Uh, who Black is he? hand. Black hand. Yeah. My apologies. Black hand. No, Black, Black hand, hand is basically a big gorilla anyway. <laughs> Black hand 
around. Um, it was actually during the Comic Con panel that they had this year. He actually did the the orc voice, like in yeah. answer to somebody's question, and it was it was really good. <laughs> no, he's a he's a heck of a voice actor. I mean, you know, he's yeah amazing. You know, and just you know, looking at the picture of the man from from this year's San Diego Comic Con, yeah, he was pretty much born to play an orc. He he currently looks like. <laughs> He sort of looks like the big, angry Mark Twain, quite yes. frankly, right now. But um, yeah, he's actually been—he's been in a ton of DC Universe stuff. He's been—he was actually Wade Ealing uh, on the the CW's TV production of The Flash, and he was—he's yeah. actually played Luthor on the uh, Superman and the Justice League for a long time. Yep, so, and the, the animated stuff—he's Luthor. Yeah. So yeah. I'm thinking Clancy Brown can do just about anything he wants to do in terms of being an old at work. <laughs> yep. He, I'm excited. Like, I'm like excited about the movie. I'm excited about Overwatch information. Obviously, we had the new hero tease this week. The yeah. one she's a StarCraft two champion. Yep. Diva. And um I'm looking forward to seeing more about her. And then what else? There's I'm a, interested. Well, they, Legion, they, obviously, everything Legion. <laughs> obviously, we're all dying to hear more about Legion. But I mean, one of the things I'm curious about is they have one Diablo panel, and that's it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like they're doing a whole lot new for Diablo this time oh, around. I want to know what's going on with that. Why do they only have the one panel? Um, does that mean they're going to just have a big announcement and just let it go, or does it mean there's nothing? Or you know, we don't know. We we know very little. Well, they do have their hands kind of full right now because Legacy of the Void is just about to launch. Yep. And they've got Legion, and they've got Overwatch. Oh, yeah, I'm not arguing. And that's not so, the Diablo team, though. Yeah, but I'm thinking that maybe, you know, the Diablo team is, like, busy at work on something, so they're letting all of this other stuff go on. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, for all we know, it'll be like they did a couple years back when they did the announcement for Warlords. They just sort of did the Warlords announcement, dropped the mic, and moved on. And then <laughs> by the next, then, like, in 2014... The Warlord stuff was about to come out, so it was like, um, okay. So, yeah, this year we're going to have an announcement of Legion where we actually will be learning things, and yeah. that's cool. Uh, the Q&A panel call today went live. We should probably talk about that. There's really. like four of them. There's four uh, different threads, and each thread has a different type, like, focus of questions. Yeah, so they're, they've actually basically put up four polls um, on the forums basically saying, okay, vote for three out of this horde of questions and you know the most popular ones, we'll see if they get answered at BlizzCon, which I thought was interesting because some of those questions were ones that I'm like, you're not going to answer that. Why would you even put it on the right. poll? They're on the poll specifically so the devs can say no. Yeah. It's like, why even make me vote for this just so you can say no to it? Well, I mean, the whole reason that I went in there to vote was to vote for the ones that don't that don't have an automatic no answer because those are the ones that I, you know, it's like if I'm going to vote for them to answer some questions, I want to vote for some questions I know they're going to be able to answer or at least talk about a little bit, you know? I voted for them to discuss uh, mercenary mode for PvE because I want mercenary mode for PvE. Yeah, but I think you could pretty much skip any questions that have to do with like remaking old world content. Or, or, or are you going to have servers dedicated to previous expansions? I'm like, come on, guys, we know you're no. not going to. Every year that gets asked. Every year and every year they say no. So why 
why waste a question on it when there's a bunch of other stuff that they could be talking about? This you is know. going to be the expansion where they announce it just to tweak me. Yeah. <laughs> Rossi was wrong yet again. You thought we'd never do that. <laughs> Remember when you thought we'd never do any kind of cross-faction play and then we brought a mercenary mode? You stupid podcast host. <laughs> and I feel, I feel bad for a while. Cool. If they do, if they ever do uh, interfaction PVE stuff, I hope it isn't like they do mercenary mode. I don't want to have to jump through hoops and like sign up to play for the other team or whatever. Just let me invite orcs if I'm a human. Let me just—it doesn't matter. Make it not matter. I don't know what they're going to do, but I'd like something. Uh, but all right, we should probably. Um, do the audible thing since Anne is all ready to do that. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Anne. Okay. Well, for you guys, listeners of Blizzard Watch, Audible's offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. And I believe Alex has a recommended book or something. I don't know. You intrigued me I do. with your description. Yeah. Uh, what, it's, what, what are it's you recommending a, this week? It's not a book this time around. It's uh, the series. It's The Great Courses, which is uh, various like university level lectures you can get on audible and that sounds really boring possibly but there's tons and tons of them and you can listen for an hour and get a lecture and learn about whatever you want like architecture if you're in architecture do it history do it science whatever and these are actual like high level like prestigious universities that are recorded in audiobook form that you can just listen to for an hour a day and get a full university level lecture and eventually listen to the whole course. Uh, I've done a lot of history ones like early civilizations of humanity. Cause that really interests me. I think it's super cool. And uh, like I said, it's the description sounds boring, but the, the breadth of stuff you can learn just by picking up an audiobook is crazy, but it's pretty much any kind of topic really, as long as there's a university course on it. Yeah, I mean, it's the great courses specifically is this series of you know university level stuff, and I think there's 422 different courses available on Audible, and I mean it's Jeez. it's even stuff like uh, if you're if you want to be a writer or whatever, there's things like uh, influential characters of fiction and literature, you know, historical heroes and heroines, all that kind of stuff. It's just super cool. Okay, that sounds awesome. I highly recommend it. I've listened to a lot of them, and they are fantastic. Okay. Well, cool. So if you want to sign up for Audible and get that or anything else with a 30-day trial, the um, URL to do that is you can download the – you can pretty much download it. You go to blizzardwatch.com slash audible, yep. and you can sign up through there. And you get a 30-day free trial, and the free audiobook comes with that. So you can try your first book for free. Cool. Alrighty then. Well, that moves us to emails. And as always on the show, if you have an email, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. We love getting emails and love trying to answer them. Uh, that, obviously, we try to answer as many different kinds as we can. We don't just do all of one kind or another, especially since we have an entire lore podcast now. So we we don't try we don't try to bury you in lore every week, but you know, it <laughs> happens sometimes. Uh, this first one is from, I think, if I'm not reading the wrong email, and that's always a problem for me. Uh, this one is from Kielden, the alcoholic. Yes. Um, and Kielden says, 
Hello, Blizzard Watch team. I'm an altaholic. I love starting new characters and learning the nuances of each class. Whenever I start a new character, I always get stuck on one screen. Name your character. I'll inevitably get to 10 levels in, decide I dislike the name I've chosen, and then have to re-roll the character. Here's my question. Is there a specific method you guys use for naming your characters? Uh, for example, borrowing from your favorite fictional characters, uh, a la Darth Rossi, uh, picking a name that fits with the fantasy of the class slash race or aligns to an in-game character, such as Malfurian. Uh, puns. Uh, I think Malfurian is a pun, dude. Um, puns. <laughs> a black and white tauren named Zebra. Um, love the show. Thanks for making my com- my commute bearable. Uh, thanks, Kielden. Um I'm going to see. Either you guys want to answer this one first? Uh, nowadays, how do I name my character? I keep adding a bunch of worthless letters I don't actually want there because every name in the game is taken 10 years in. <laughs> um, I, I just come up with a name and then slam my hand on the keyboard until it gets me something that isn't taken. Okay. Man? I... Honestly, it kind of depends on the character. Like, um, I usually do one of two things, okay? And and keep in mind that I'm on a role-playing server, so I try and pick names that are going to be okay with fellow role-players and not... You you can't get away... You can get away with some pun names, but you can't get away with anything that's kind of too far out of the norm. People sometimes tend to frown on that. And I do like role-playing, so I like names that are like... That suit my character. You, you can't know? take Crusader fart bomb seriously in role. No, you can't. You can't. There's just no way. So usually when I'm picking names, I do one of two things. I either come up with an adjective. Adge- ag- I can't talk today. Adjective. Adjective. Thank you. That describes the character, like describes the character's personality or describes some aspect of the character. And I will use the adjective. I will use that as use the, name. the adjective as the name. <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk today. I don't know why. Okay, anyway, either that or a noun. I like using nouns as names, too. Um, anything Such as like an ob- object or a thing that describes. And, and I can write, always write it off as, that's my character's nickname. Um, the other thing I like to do is I like going into like various foreign language dictionaries and finding translations of words that apply to my character. And then using that or altering it a little bit until I like it. I do research when I name characters. I don't just re-roll a character because I don't like the name. I think really hard about the name, which is why I don't make a lot of characters. I'm not really an altaholic. I've got like a handful with really good names that I like a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I generally just try to make a fantasy sounding name that fits the particular culture of the race I'm playing. Uh, if it's a human, I pick a human-y, warcrafty name. If it's an elf, I pick an elfy, warcrafty name. Uh, more recently, I pretty much just use names of characters from stuff I've written elsewhere because <laughs> it's easier. I was like, oh, I you know have something I've written about this hunter character, so that's the name of my hunter. It's it just makes it easier. I already went through the naming f- process. Yeah, my the first other- character like actually had a name that was based in like ancient history like i actually was a real fan of the scythians at the time so i named my first character scythos i don't care if you guys know that at this point because i don't play him anymore um but uh it depends for me on the race like for instance if i'm playing uh uh draenei i wrote an alien language back in 1997 because i was that guy <laughs> i was that guy that wrote an entire alien language i have this st- i still have it do, and do i use the klingon 
no, this is my own alien language because Klingon, someone else made that up. No, this is the this is the language of the Tisloth to Harakil. See, that's how bad I am. I can okay. still say things in my alien language, and that use the names from that language. Like for like, I'll use an example of one that I'm not actually using. Um, Shara Tatraskar. That's Tatras being her her direct ancestor. That's the naming convention. So I use like those people's names. That's that's how bad I am for Draenei. For Torin, I actually go and I look at Torin myths. Like there's a bunch of them on Wikipedia. I look at them and I look at the the, the, the Shuhalo. That's the language. I look at the Shuhalo lexicon and pick out words from it and stick them together. And then there's ones like just Cloud Gazer or whatever that sound right. Because Torin, let, let's not be, let's not pretend. It's basically like you know, it's it's bovine Native Americans. Uh, well, back in the day when I would. I don't like playing male characters that much, but I would make male night elves because they looked so dumb. And I would try <laughs> to make... Did. I would use like compound words to be as like over-the-top dramatic as possible. Like, uh, my night elf warrior was Storm Reaver because it sounded so over-the-top. And it's just one of those elf take-two-nature-y words and kind of stick them together. Hey, you're a person now. It seemed like the elfy thing to do. The other thing that I like to do is I like um, I like to look at what race of character I'm playing, and I'll go look at like baby names, and try and pick things that are appropriate. So like for night elves, I'll look for like, well, actually night elves and Draenei both. I'll, I'll tend to like go towards French names and then adjust them, like add some more vowels or things like that. Um, if I'm playing a worgen, I'll go look at like Victorian and Elizabethan baby names, like what was popular, and just kind of dig through the list like <laughs> until I find totally. something that's cool. Yeah, all my worgen, I so far I've rolled a few worgen, and every time I do, their names are either like puns on various wolf figures from various mythologies. Like I have a, a, a worgen named Gurion because he was a huntsman who had a famous wolf, and then I've got like. The Garwolf, which is actually like a just a generic French word for vampire. So, yeah. I don't know why vampire, but you know, I, I'm nuts. There you go. Vampire, werewolf, what's the difference? So, yeah, everybody's kind of got their own way of picking a name. You're not weird for thinking about your character's name. <laughs> just don't ever use the random thing. Yeah, the random thing, the randomizer. Actually, I have gotten good names off of the randomizer, but what I do is I use the randomizer until I find something that looks kind of interesting, and then I'll fix it. it. I'll fix it. it. (laughs) You make it not look terrible. The randomizer will give you names like Malididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididididid
This week I spent two days farming BGs to buy weapons that match a, a new set I farmed. I don't even enjoy PvP, but the end result is worth it. I really enjoy collecting cosmetic items for my character. Aesthetics are a very important part of the game to many players. And even though Transmog itself is a great addition, I can't help but think Blizzard is missing out on more opportunities to give players like me something aesthetically to work towards and collect. What are your thoughts, and how do you think this can be improved? Also, I want to suggest that you all at Blizzard Watch maybe think about making Transmog more of a part of your site. Maybe a weekly showcase of the best screenshots with Transmog sets or something, or Transmog guides to collecting popular sets. Anyway, looking forward to your BlizzCon coverage, and I became a patron this week to help you all during this busy time. It's well worth it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, as for Transmog, uh, I don't really think Transmog's that interesting, says the guy oh, crap. who has no bank space. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, Rossi! Really? <laughs> that was like that's like my next statement was going to be. Warriors are boring too. Oh my God! <laughs> I, I think I your have, bags are worse off than mine are right now. Actually, <laughs> I'm not sure which, but the thing you, is, I, you collect weapons. I don't really do the weapons so much because there's only so many dagger models out there. <laughs> the daggers yeah. usually look pretty terrible looking. Yeah, there's like a handful of really good daggers, and I do See, have them all. I but. would actually, I would actually level my worgen rogue. If fist weapons and daggers move to each other, because oh. oh my god, Worgen look awesome using fist weapons. I still have I still have fist weapons sitting in void storage just in case that ever happens, because yeah. I don't want to refarm them. <laughs> I'm terrible. Well, I really am. Even on my warrior, I have a pair of fist weapons that drop in. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Mount Hygel? Yeah. I have those. The Fist and Claw of Molten Fury. Yeah, I've got those things waiting just in case. They're beautiful. Crazy looking. Huge. Beautiful. And they are nuts. They're like way big. They're like super huge on your hands. Especially if you are wearing them on a human or a blood elf. Uh, especially a female human or blood elf. They become like the size of your entire arms. They're a female blood elf? Really? Yeah, they're big even on a female because they're one handers. Yeah. Oh, do one-handers get bigger on the female blood elves? I know their two-handers are tiny. One-handers get, like, the same size as everything. They're just a big fist weapon. Okay. But it's like, you know how two-handers don't, they're not big on blood elves for whatever reason? Yeah. One-handers can still be big on blood elves, so. Yeah, and the Fist and Claw of Molten Fury look really good. That's always a strange transition for me, because I love the ridiculous size of two-handers on female humans. Like, they're ludicrously large. They look and then you, dumb on Blood Elf Ladies. <laughs> and then you go to Blood Elf Ladies, and they're holding, like, a baby rattle instead of a two-handed mace. Dude, try, try, try equipping daggers on a female Blood Elf Rogue. They turn into these little toothpicks. You can barely see them. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> the, the Fist and Claw Molten Fury do still look good on a Blood Elf, though. So, But it's weird because the thing about Transmod that really gets me is going in is that they've left this limitation, and they keep talking about doing more with it, but they haven't given us a concrete, and I'm hoping we, we get something concrete at BlizzCon about this, but they've left in this limitation of bag space for Transmog. Yeah. Bag space is the ultimate limiter. I, I have thrown out and deleted pieces that I wanted to keep. I didn't, like, they weren't my absolute gotta keeps, but I wanted to keep them, but I'm like, I can't, I can't justify it. It's this one is, of those things where I have to every once every now and again I have to go through my bank and go, which of these pieces do I not mind refarming in the future? Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's just you know, I, I whenever anything from from Blackwing Lair I don't get rid of because 
getting past the first boss is a hassle. It's not impossible or even hard. It's just enough of a hassle that I don't want to have to do it again. Yeah. Whereas Molten Core Gear, eh, I'm. Ugh. Yeah, you can I, toss that because you can go back and get it almost immediately. So it's yeah. not like a big deal. Um, same thing with AQ. Like AQ gear. First off, I'll be completely honest with you. The only gear from AQ I even think worth keeping is the armor. Like really? none of the we- none of the weapons do anything for me. Um, I mainly have be- I have some of the armor set from from AQ, and the okay, only uh, it's I not great. It is- yeah, I'm not yeah. arguing with you. There's, the only reason I collected it is because it looks really weird. Well, that's <laughs> the thing is, it, it looks weird, but it's like there's something about this is one of the things that I've I've actually even written columns about it before, and I might do it again. It's, there's just something about that particular kind of clown suit, yeah, that you yeah. got from raiding in vanilla. That's yeah. not it's not the BC clown suit where you were just in mismatched gear. This was top of the line gear. This was the best gear you could get, and, and you look ridiculous. Terrible. I think <laughs> certain classes looked good and certain ones looked really like the priest set from Ankaraj was just like some brown ratty robe it's like well or whatever but yeah. what surprised the heck out of me is the paladin set goes really well if you mix it with judgment yeah it's the yeah. same orange tones yeah so you could have these weird like asymmetrical bug shoulders and it looks fine with the judgment chest piece and like skirt it was weird that it actually looked good despite being so strange. Well, the thing is, is yeah. that, you know, like for instance, and this is something I actually, Alex has talked about in the past, wanting to see the, uh, the tier two and tier three stuff come back with like a, you know, redesign to, to graphically mm-hmm. match the game now. But one of the weird things about sets back then was how there would just be pieces. Like Blackwing Lair and AQ really had this problem a lot. And, and it also appeared in, in Next too. They were just pieces of gear that had nothing that matched them. They would just be a pair of pants that yeah. dropped. It was a really pair- nice looking pair of pants that you hoped had a set that went with it, but it oh, didn't. There was a pair of pants that dropped in Blackwing Lair that were a white and silver highlighted version of the legs that dropped in, in Dire Maul off of Prince Torthaldrin. Yeah. And those, those legs themselves exist in multiple colors. And there's a set of them there's a black set that matches them. No other set for all the other colors exists. There's no red set. There's no gold set. There's no silver set. But there's pieces out there. And it's just like this. You really, you could go crazy trying to build a transmog set from yeah. offset pieces from, from uh, vanilla. You could literally to snap. To, to go back to what Valinor was saying as far as aesthetics, I think aesthetics are very important. Yes. Um, I do enjoy collecting bits and pieces of armor. The funny part about this, though, is that they introduced transmog, which pretty much like opened the door really wide to where you can Blizzard could safely introduce clown suits again, and it wouldn't matter because we'd be able to mix and match and make our own looks with transmog. Mm-hmm. What happened was the clown suits in Burning Crusade, a lot of the gear that dropped in Burning Crusade, you'll notice if you go look it up on Wowhead, it's the same model as the armor that they had in Vanilla. It was just it, like, you go look at, um, oh gosh, the set that my hunter is wearing right now, my hunter from the live stream, half of it is gear that dropped in, like, it's like two different green sets is what it is. There's two different green sets. Um, 
And a lot of people, obviously, when they were leveling, they put on a piece of gear because it had better stats, but it didn't match anything. So you'd end up with these really ridiculous-looking clown suits. And everybody always talks about the Burning Crusade clown suits because they were really funny. You didn't start looking good until you hit level 70 and you started getting these matching sets. So when we went into Wrath of the Lich King, um, Blizzard decided to take a different route with the leveling gear, and they actually designed the leveling gear, the green sets, to be sets, cohesive yeah, sets that actually looked good together, and they worked well with each other. But um, but there is one problem with that. What? It was almost all the same color palette. Right, yeah, it, it was, was the same. like one well, and that's plate the set. Thing. See, that's One the thing, though. Set. Go ahead. It is that because it was all kind of the same color palette, it didn't matter if you were using a green from two different sets of gear. They still worked together, kind of. So you never really got that whole clown suit effect. The unfortunate side effect of that, though, was that it was universally kind of visually bland to look at. And they continued that in Cataclysm, where they had more sets, and the sets were kind of... You know, they all they all went together a little bit until you got to max level and you could get, you, you know, your tier sets and things like that that were really well designed. And then Mists of Pandaria, I think, was the first one where it introduced um, leveling armor, like green armor, that was really visually distinctive and really visually, like, pretty. A lot of those green sets that you get from even, like, early on in Jade Forest are so far above anything you ever got in Wrath. You know, yeah, they I look think, really pretty. You know I think goes- Wrath is also a reaction to uh, some. I don't. I don't know how the volume of it, but some complaints that Burning Crusade was too colorful. Like, yeah, you could see, get, I like the color. I liked it too. Like, I loved that there was a Paladin set that was like violet crystals. Like, that was super cool to me. And but there were people that didn't like it so much. And Wrath went the other way. It's like, okay, well, uh, people don't want that much color, so we're going to give them brown and gray and black. Well, I will and say then Everything about- in Warlords of Draenor is kind of like, it all looks like orc gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it yeah. all looks like orc gear. <laughs> like, there's, there's nothing that there's looks a reason- really Draenei at all. One of the things that I actually, the reason I got the uh, the, the, the training post yeah. was because there's that there's that Draenei plate set. Yeah. That's, that's something I really, they, they kind of did it in this game, but they did it mostly with orc gear. The purely transmog pieces you could get, that they, they did bring out more of it. And I think more people would have liked them if they were different. But they all looked like this orc clan, that orc clan. And it was like, you know, maybe horde players want to look like the various horde clan, although I don't think they did really. Okay, but see, like, if I was playing a blood elf, I would be really disappointed. Yeah. I, mean, I race changed my, my rogue to a troll. My rogue is a troll this expansion, and it's mostly because I thought it went better with the whole gear aesthetic. <laughs> Seriously, there was like there was this real potential. They came out with this idea of these purely transmog pieces. They started it in I think mists with the the purchasable helmets. Yeah, and then they started bringing in the replica stuff. The it's it like looks like costume stuff. Yeah, they brought costume in this, the replicas for like the original dungeon set gear, the the valor type level dungeon gear, yeah. and then the, the upgraded the soul forge level. Um, of, of gear, and that was cool. You can get that at the uh, Dark Moon Fair if you want to look like you did back in Vanilla. But they had a real opportunity to bring in like racial transmogs that people have wanted and keep asking about. Like people want to have a transmog set that is 
for their race, like the Spellbreaker set from from like a uh, Silver Moon for like Blood Elves and so forth. And yeah. they haven't really done it, and they've resisted it a lot. If you want to talk about the one thing I think they should bring in to upgrade Transmog, more of these cosmetic Transmog pieces. Like the the one that I thought was great was the one you could get as an Alliance player. The Draenei plate transmog set that looks just like the Draenei guards at, at yeah. the, mm-hmm. you know, I I have that on my Draenei. I never take it off. I'm I'd even like to see some like simpler sets, like for rogues, like a black, like a sleek black leather set, like that sure. exists in like level ten green, yeah, or the whatever. Defia set. But it's so old now, or so low res. Like if you just give me a higher resolution version of a sleek black leather set. I will do whatever you want me to do to get it because that's something that would be a really cool for transmog. Or even a straight up like you know the the costume that's that's inspired by the uh, the there's the the black uniform for ninjas which is actually inspired by like people who did theater because yeah. people the stagehands in theater yeah. like wear all black suits and you, that was a sign to ignore them and you could do yeah. stuff like that you could have like a pirate suit you could have like I mean some kind sky- of swashbuckling something or other that'd be cool. Yeah, I've wanted to see like you know all sorts of stuff for a long time, and it just feels like you know co- cosmetic pieces are a real step forward, and they they could do more of it. They keep limiting it to like stuff like you know the the sets for like doing um gold uh, dungeons, the the challenge mode dungeons last yeah. expansion, and the weapons this expansion. And the problem I have with the weapons this expansion is they're a little too much. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, the challenge mode weapons this expansion are cool, but they are crazy busy like there comes a point where i don't want to have every weapon and item having like multiple visual effects going on all the time like you know i think i wouldn't have anywhere near as much of a problem with the okay i'm just gonna flat out say it i think they need to introduce armor die honestly (laughs) i would love to have a model that i could just like color myself that would be great or even if they just, you know that they have multiple color palettes of gear that they never introduce. Yeah. Because we know that they have, like, this is one that's been bugging me since Burning Crusade, when they gave all the Blood Elves a red version of Tier 2. Warrior yeah. Tier 2. I'm sitting going, okay, I know you've got, like, a blue version of Warrior Tier 10. I know you've got, like, all these versions of this armor that you don't introduce. Introduce it. Let I us just, use it. Yeah, I just, I, I think that... I mean, if they're going to give us some sort of version of Diablo 3's transmog system, then give us some sort of version of Diablo 3's armor die system. Let us do it. Just let us do it. Uh, I might do it. I might be the minority here. I'm not sure. But uh, as somebody who has played much more casually this expansion, I feel like stuff like cool looking armor that you can get through uh, either solo activities like transmog stuff or dungeons or whatever is a more compelling goal to me than yeah. increasing my stats. Yeah. The thing is, um, is your stats, the thing about transmog is it makes it so that your stats are always going to go away. I mean, to a certain degree, time walking allows you to bring back old pieces and use them again. But for the most part, you have a piece of gear and then eventually like the next expansion will come along and suddenly the epic skull crusher of destruction is no is now replaced by plank with a night with a nail through it. Yeah. That's and- actually happened. If if you want if you want to reserve the crazy tier sets for rating, okay, you know whatever. Uh, if you can give me something like that higher resolution sleek black leather set that I can get through solo stuff or dungeons on my rogue, 
Um, I'm going to invest a lot more time in the game and doing those activities. Heck yeah. Too, something like that. You know more what, so than just increasing my high level again. You know what? We've been talking about transmog for like, what, 15, 20 minutes here? <laughs> I knew that was going to happen. It's fine. We should probably move on to the next email. <laughs> Alrighty. Next email is from Neural. Uh, and Neural says, Dear Watchers, I recently got off my butt and picked up Reaper of Souls for Diablo 3. I kill Malthiel and am well into my Paragon progression, but in between pulling rifts through me, the meat grinder, two things about Diablo's ultimate fate have been nagging me. First, since Malthiel absorbed the Black Soul Stone during the fight with him, did angelic nature mean? Did his angelic nature mean that he became the reincarnation of Anu before Anu purged evil from himself? If that's the case, the fact that we kill him has even more terrifying implications for Tyriel and the world at large. Secondly, after we kill Malthiel, we're told that the spirit of Diablo has been released, but there is no mention of the other evils. The natural assumption is that by killing their vessel, we released all seven evils, but only Big Red is mentioned by name. Did Diablo digest the other evils while inside the stone and is now permanently the new Tathomet? What could that mean for future expansions or Diablo 4? It seems that once all evil in the universe becomes consolidated into one guy and the world is slowly being repopulated with a race of physical gods who can easily put him down, there isn't much more to do unless a Nephilim goes rogue. Thoughts? Sincerely, Neural. Shortened, since Rossi had such trouble pronouncing my full name last time. I'll point out that I didn't have to read that. But I'm <laughs> on this podcast host, so... Uh, first off, no, because he didn't merge with the, the the Black Soul Stone. He merely destroyed it to use its power. So no, he didn't actually become the reincarnation of Anu by absorbing it. He wasn't any more a, a fusion of angel and demon with the Black Soul Stone destroyed as he was with just holding it. He was simply using it. So yeah. no, he wasn't the reincarnation of Anu when we destroyed him. In fact, that's one of the reasons we could kill him is because we're a lot more like Anu than he was. He was trying to use the evil, but we have the potential for both good and evil inside of us. All of our characters do. That's why. Been eight. So yeah, that, that, that part's not true. However, I noticed the bit about Spirit of Diablo 2, and I've been wondering about that for a while. Because they don't say the prime evils or the greater, you know, the greater and lesser evils or anything like that. They, they just, just say Diablo. Say, yeah, they just mentioned Diablo. Does that mean that Diablo is essentially all seven evils now? I don't know. I kind of hope not. Both that would be bad. It would be very bad, yes. Uh, but also, from a story perspective, having them around is cool. They're fun characters. I yeah. mean, you know, I we finally got to see Asmodon, and I'm sorry. I find I think Asmodon is the most fun I've ever had with a demon because. Yeah. The more I'm kicking his minions' butts, the more he is convinced this is his ultimate victory. After a while, it's just like, dude, dude, you, what? You're wrong? delusional, man. Are you paying attention? You know, <laughs> it's like, I have literally torn my way through. Ah, yes, you slew my greatest minion. Truly, my hour is at the end. What? <laughs> what do you think is going on? I'm starting to wonder. Your extreme self confidence is beginning to make me uncomfortable. But yeah, um, we don't know. For one thing, we don't really know. What could possibly come along next? The, the status quo could be really bad here for a couple of reasons. One is that by Malthiel's action, at least Diablo is free, if not all of them. And if Diablo is free, he, he slash she has the power of all of them. We don't know what's going on in the hells right now. Because they're still full of demons. So many demons. So many. And there's nobody to tell them what to do. Nope. Like, unless the, the evils have now returned to the hells and they're now raising a new army. But 
for a while there, at least, a bunch of demons are standing around with no idea what to do. And if you've ever seen a group of, like, say, kindergartners left alone for five minutes, just imagine how much trouble you get into if it was, like, say, demons instead of kindergartners. It's like the like, Scourge without a Lich King. Yeah. Uh, except worse because the undead are mindless, but the demons yeah. aren't. And these guys are not mindless. They're just no. evil. Yeah, well, <laughs> these are these, not good. Not the good. about the Nephilim going rogue is interesting to me because uh, I would say Dalton it's been cool. rather recently that not necessarily Sultan cool, but it's rather recently that I defeated Reaper of Souls for the first time. Tyrael seemed terrified of your character. Yeah, yeah. which why wouldn't he be? Right, nothing can stop you. Uh, it's like Tyrael's like, holy crap! This is the most powerful Nephilim in the land. Now they are basically the god of death. Uh, if this person went bad. There's nothing anybody could do. Yeah, what am I going to do to stop him? Usually he's the guy I go get when something goes bad. <laughs> what am I going to get to stop the guy that stopped everything else? This but, person conquered uh, the primevals. This person conquered the most dangerous of the angels. What's left if they go wrong? Like, if they turn bad, we have nobody to turn to. There is nothing yeah. that can stop this person. Imperius got his butt handed to him by Diablo, and then this guy beat Diablo. Yeah. So Imperius, come on. First off, you've been snide to me for two games now. I'm looking to kick your butt. <laughs> Secondly, I just took out like the, the Archangel of Wisdom slash Angel of Death, and he was using the power of all the primevals. At the time, I took him out. So, and yeah. there's there's some dialogue there when when you like to beat Malfail, you basically have to. Uh, assimilate the powers of death. You yourself become a god or goddess of death, essentially. Yeah. And I, th I think it probably depends on what character you're playing, but playing the Crusader, there's a lines like, yeah, I'll relinquish this power after Malthael is defeated. But they don't show that happening. Nope. Yeah. Did your character actually relinquish this power? The Barbarians they actually kind of cool. They liked it. <laughs> yeah. For the Barbarians, it's pretty cool because you actually meet the kings that failed to stop uh, um, Baal. Mm -hmm. And you talk to them, and they're like, you know, this is our redemption for our failure. And so essentially, you, you redeem your entire race. And there's nothing at all about relinquishing squat. As yeah, far the, as um, the Crusader meets every Crusader that has ever bore their name. Mm -hmm. It's like the, the unbroken chain of their, their name. And uh, at least I played the, the female Crusader. And it's it's very interesting dynamic when you meet your... You know, who trained you. And uh, she's basically, you know, this this power can easily corrupt. And the Crusader's like, I have no desire to keep this power. Once I've completed my cause, I'll relinquish, you know, whatever. Yeah, the Barbarian might have said something like that too, but quite honestly, at that point, I was focused on going and stomping that <laughs> jackass's butt in. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're, you're, you're right on the line here, man. If you're, if you're sensing a little concern over what you might do there. Yeah. The, the, the angels have noticed that at last, the, here's the thing that when, when sanctuary was made, this is the thing. Anarius immediately noticed that the Nephilim were already more powerful than he was. If he didn't have the, if he didn't have the world stone, he would have been shafted almost immediately. The only reason he had any power over them was because he had the world stone, which gave him the power to basically decide what reality was on Sanctuary, because the world shouldn't have been used to make Sanctuary. So he basically had a cheat code. Without that, 
Inarius would have lost immediately. The the Nephilim would have just taken over. He wouldn't have, the only reason he was able to kill them was because he had the world stone. Yeah, and I admit might, that's um, Lilith's plan. This was Lilith's plan from the beginning, by the way. So keep yeah. that in mind for the future. I admit that I, I'm not too into Diablo in general. Uh, you know, I don't really. There isn't much about it that really gets me going. But I admit that last cutscene where Interior's like, holy crap, what has this person become? Kind of gave me, like, nerd chills. Like, I am literally the most powerful thing in existence. Interior knows it and is terrified. Yeah. So, yeah, you're definitely noticing Interior properly. But in terms of uh, Malthiel being Anu, no. If we see Anu, it'll probably be in the next game. But, all right, next email is from Winterfell, a Worgen Death Knight. Hello, Watchers. Let me start off by saying that I greatly enjoyed the recent discussions you had on Troll and Elf Evolution, and it got me wondering what the Titan-created race is. Unfortunately, I'm really bad at integrating information piecemeal, and most of the Titan lore we've gotten from Blizzard has been given out in small pieces. So I know there's an explanation for why the Tolvir look like certain Scourge units from Warcraft 3, and why the Akir gravitate towards abandoned Titan facilities, but I can never remember them. Is there an integrated source of lore on the subject? Not so much on the Titans themselves, but on their works and creations in Azeroth? Secondly, regarding the core of the Alliance, the humans, dwarves, and gnomes, is it possible that the uh, reason they they get along and cooperate so well is that they were literally designed to do so? I'm not sure if their inorganic ancestors were created in the same region. Thanks for the show, Winterfell, Warring Death Knight. Uh, Anne, I'm going to let you take the first part if you want to talk about it real fast. Um, well, as far as the first part goes, you know, any kind of, like, integrated source of lore on that particular subject, your best bet is to go to someplace like Wowpedia, honestly, because that's where everything is compiled, and the stuff that is compiled, generally, you know, you look up one thing, and within that article, there's links to other articles that has more stuff on that particular subject, but I don't think there's anything out there that's really, like, flat out, laid it out, beginning to end. Here's the Titans. Here's what they created. Now, they are coming out with um, a book next year, next spring, um, called World of Warcraft Chronicle, Volume 1. And that one is discussing all of Azeroth's history from pretty much the dawn of creation until just before the first war. And from what we've been told, this should include a lot of that Titan information that we're missing. Um, and that's one of those things you can go ahead and pre-order it now. Unfortunately, it's not available just yet, but it will be. Um, and I sort of recommend that everybody go look at that one. Yeah. (laughs) I I can tell you right now though, I can tell you about the Tolvir looking like the certain Scourge units. That's because those Scourge units are Tolvir. Yeah. Uh, the Tolvir who were left in the northern parts of the world, the the, uh, the facility that became on Karaj, were enslaved by the Nerubians when the Nerubians took it over. And uh, then they went north to north. And yeah, the Akir did that as well in 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 what's now AQ. There were Tolvir units that were left there, like Moam. If you if you remember Moam from AQ, Moam yes. and the other are destroyers. Or again, it's just southern versions of Tolvir who got enslaved. Now, why did the uh, Akir gravitate towards abandoned Titan facilities? Because a they're usually where their masters are being held. That's where the old gods are imprisoned, and they follow the old gods so and it's you know if, if you take over the place it's easier to get them out also keep in mind that the akir tend to like advanced things and the titan facilities tend to be the most advanced things on azeroth it's like if you want to have a, a impregnable base you can do worse than an ancient fortress built by the titans um but 
in terms of uh, the second thing you're asking about the core of the alliance, well, we know that humans are descended from Vrykul, dwarves are descended from Earthen, and gnomes are descended from Mechanomes. And you can find all three in Northrend. Yeah. Uh, all three are from Northrend. All three are find you can find them in various um, facilities, including Alduar. Uh, as to the, one of the weird things I wrote about this today is we don't actually know how the gnomes got to the Eastern Kingdoms. We don't know if they were in Oldum in Alduar, not Alduar, sorry, uh, Alduman or not. Like they would, you think they'd have to have been, but we don't actually see anything in Alduman that says the gnomes were also here. And there's nothing gnome there? The only thing that can maybe explain that is if they were afflicted with the curse of flesh, and that was a process that began before Kalimdor split, like before the Sundering, and they just happened to be, regionally, they were just in a different region, the one that branched off and became the Eastern Kingdoms. Yeah, but we don't we don't exactly know for sure where it yeah. was or where it comes from. We know that the dwarves and trogs of the Eastern Kingdoms come from Aldemon. Well, here's the fun part, Rossi. Do we know for a fact that they built Nomergon? Or was it there? That's, Is that we, the Titan facility? We don't actually for 100% sure know that. Uh, in fact, here's a really weird thing about gnomes and their origins that, that ties in all this. Um, the gnomes... Are we? They're involved in history going back twenty six hundred years on the Eastern Kingdoms. Yeah. Because the very first Guardians of Tirasfall, the, the very first one was there's a, there a gnome on the council named uh, Indus. Yeah. And there's another gnome about nine hundred years ago when uh, Egwin became the guardian. Gnome named uh, I think Egdar or Egbar. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But there's another gnome at that time. But the dwarves were convinced that they discovered the, the gnomes. Only 200 years ago. Which is like, did the gnomes just kind of like humor him? Like, oh yeah, you've, to- <laughs> you've totally discovered us here in these mountains. We haven't been living here for thousands of years. No, you just, we've just been here doing nothing. No, we, we certainly haven't been part of multiple magical things. That would, that would be weird. Can, can you mind if we build a, if we build a capital city around here? You don't mind? <laughs> cool. Yeah, we're going to go build that now. What do you mean? We just, 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 you know, in a couple of weeks, we'll let them see it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we don't know why the dwarves are so convinced that they discovered the gnomes after the War of Three Hammers. But you'll notice that the dwarves almost immediately trust the gnomes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, immediately. They're like, oh, yeah, those guys are fine. And it's like, you have, you just had a civil war between other dwarves. And you're okay with the gnomes. Yeah, we have no reason to doubt them. And it makes me wonder if gnomes just know how to like manipulate dwarves really effectively, like if maybe they They're have very the operational friendly code. and very helpful. They're not. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe being, part. <laughs> being friendly and helpful is the way to get dwarves to never ask questions. Yeah, I think one of the reasons I started to get really tired of Titan and old god lore is they always seem to stop short of explaining anything or finishing a story. Uh, like, I was still super into WoW lore in Wrath of the Lich King, and something I was really hyped about is it seemed like throughout Wrath of the Lich King they were setting up this feud between Yogg-Saron and the Lich King. Yeah. Like, the god of death, and this dude who is defying death, you know, master of undeath, and it seemed like there was a conflict there. And in dungeons and in quests, they had this uh, aggression between them. And then you 
go into to fight Yogg-Saron and there's like no mention of it and you kill him and there's no mention of it in Isochron. It's just like they had this cool old god story that wove itself into the narrative really well and they just dumped it before finishing it. They were and it visions seems that's like that implied. Like when you fought Yogg-Saron, you, you, you played through those visions of Yogg-Saron like when you went into... And, and there were yeah. some visions that had to do with the Lich King, particularly with Bolvar and the Lich King, but they didn't. There was no connection there. Yeah, See, it my, seemed, my thing is it seemed my, like Yogg-Saron and the Lich King were like full on at war in some of those quests, but they just stopped talking about it after those quests. Yeah, you know that that was one of the problems I think with. Here's the thing with the old gods: is they never actually die, and it makes dealing with them like we've killed Cthune like a while ago. But Cthulhu is still talking to us through minions, even in the Twilight Highlands, even in Bastion of Twilight when you're fighting Cho'Gall. Cho'Gall works for Cthulhu. He works directly for him. And that means Cthulhu is still out there telling him what to do. Killing these things is sort of like an inconvenience at best. They barely notice it. It's like killing a demon of the Burning Legion. Yeah, except with the Burning Legion demons, at least they have to go back to the Twisting Nether when they you kill them. They go away for a while. Yeah. yeah. You kill an old god, and he's practically like standing underneath you, just waiting for you to leave. You know? It's like, it's... So he can pick up where he left off. Yeah. It's, <laughs> if anything, killing, killing them is great for them, because now you think they're gone, and you'll go on and do other things, and that's one of the things I actually felt like, you know, I really do feel like there, there needs to be another... There, a lot of stuff... This isn't just the old gods and the titans, either. Every expansion has kind of, to a greater or lesser degree, kind of had that feeling of, now what? And then we move on to a completely different thing. Like, I'm sorry, didn't it feel weird to send Kil'jaeden back through the portal into the Sunwell? And then, we're not gonna... We're we're waiting till now to hear what the next bit is from the Legion after that? Yeah, I think... I honestly think that is maybe one of the primary things that made me not so interested in Warcraft lore, in that... When I was really into it in those like three or four expansions where I super digged it, I always saw like they're building up this great storyline. There's this potential here. They're going to follow up on this thread. Like there's so much going on, and this is awesome and exciting. And the next expansion hit, and they're like, "Yeah, forget everything that just happened. We're going somewhere else. Don't worry about any of that." And you're like, "Well, why was I even invested to begin with? It's gone now." See, that's the thing. Is like that's one of the things I think is actually interesting to me about Legion, is that. We talked about Warlords kind of being sort of like a, a refrain version of Burning Crusade, where it like it took up Burning Crusade themes and played them slightly differently, if you're using a musical metaphor here. Legion is straight up Dakota. Legion is, if you, this is Burning Crusade, this is Legion. Legion is, and the thing is, Legion is actually also a coda to Warcraft 3. It's finally mm-hmm. like the, what happens after you stop Kill Jaden? What happens after you stop the Legion? Well, they get upset about it. And, they get kind of you know, mad. And now we get to see what happens when they get mad. I really, one of the things I hope is that they find a way to finally have an organic transition between expansions. And have it make sense. Yeah. That we, we go from, and I'm not saying it didn't make sense to go to Draenor. Although it felt weird. It could have certainly been d- done differently. I honestly feel like it would have been better if Garrosh had just not been involved. Like if he'd gone off on his little space jaunt and that we'd moved on to like something else and had nothing to do with him. Yeah. I honestly feel like that would have been better. And but but I think that they needed. Being, I, I honestly, yeah, I, I I still feel like this uh, that that after the whole siege of Orgrimmar thing and after you know fighting in the streets of Orgrimmar 
and feeding Garrosh Hellscream and taking him in and letting him do his trial thing. Just let him escape and, and give the story a couple of beats before you go back to him. Like, focus on something else for a while. There's, and I that way, when Garrosh shows up again, it feels like some kind of surprise and or threat. I think it entirely depends on how they do it. I mean, yeah, if, it if they make it clear that, like, okay, Garrosh was out, you know, assembling this other army or whatever, that's one thing. But, for example, things like when Jaina disappears for two expansions, uh, I hate that. Like, what happened to her character? Like, she was, you know, Where'd this huge go? part of the narrative. They're like, oh, yeah, we're going to put her on a shelf for a while. Uh, and then four years later, she comes back, and you're like, well... Everything she had going, I don't really care anymore. That was four years ago. Yeah. See, it depends on the character there. Cause like, I, I actually think that they're, they're putting Sylvanas, quote-unquote, on the shelf for a while was good for her. Like, I'd had enough of Sylvanas because I'm she, not, has she, she ever felt like, really come off the shelf? Has she, she hasn't really had, like, a main narrative role ever. Yeah, she kind of did in Wrath, but I'll, I'll, my point is basically just that it works for some characters better than others. Yeah, uh, and w- what I was saying too is because because what I was saying is kind of the inverse of what you were saying in terms of continuing threads, but I think it actually makes sense too. We don't get a lot of aftermath ever. No, you no. Know, that's the one thing that I really I, I honestly feel like it was, it's time to actually start getting some aftermath. Uh, I, we're not going to get it this time, really. We're going to move right into the next thing. But when Legion is over, narratively speaking, it would be a big deal to do a patch where we clean up. I'm not I really clean- wanted that for Miss Pandaria. Yeah, and I'm not saying it has to be a patch of us literally in, like, say, to use Miss Pandaria's example. I wasn't looking for a patch where we go to the Vale and, like, you know, my character helps shovel out some, you know, tainted Shaw mud. <laughs> take a take a mop to the to the grass or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you have, like not- the the trash bag and the po- the stick with the point at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that should, but but you know what? Have a patch where. You know, we we go into the Titan base underneath the veil and make sure everything's working again, and make sure the the clean water is coming forth again, and do some actual dealing with the consequences. That would you have know, made for um, an interesting couple of scenarios, at the very least. Yeah, and honestly, this expansion, Warlords, I Warlords is the one where after that last raid, they need a buttload of aftermath. They need somebody, like, I practically, at this point, I want somebody to just come out. Like, Deckard Cain can come out and go, Hello, children. Let me explain why Garam Scream wasn't executed. (laughs) Stay a while and listen to me explain. Stay a while and listen and let me explain everything that just happened. Because you need (laughs) to explain, because you're confused, aren't you? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confused. Why aren't we killing him again? I think it would be Eh, nice. We're free now. Who cares, man? No one cares what you think. Not necessarily to have another Cataclysm-style expansion, but, for example, every expansion has a little bit of content in an older location to see an yeah. update, like they did um, with this uh, Queldalar in Wrath of the Lich King, and you visit the Sunwell Plateau. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. Or, I mean, you could do stuff like, okay, we're in Legion or whatever, but uh, what's going on with some place we were at in Wrath of the Lich King? Let's just have a reason to go there. See what has happened well, in that part of Northrend. The problem since is, then. they're doing that with Dalaran, which is unfortunate, in my opinion. Quite frankly, yeah. I wish Dalaran wasn't going to be there. But it would be nice to say, since we're going to have Sylvanas and we're going to have Gen, it would be nice to actually Gilnaeus. see. Yes, like have us have some stuff in Gilnaeus. What's Do going on in Gilnaeus? Gilnaeus? I love that place. Yeah, and Can finally, we, you know, could we, we fix just the park? Let, could we let the alliance have no? 
F the park. The park is gone. The park is gone and it's not coming back. Okay, Let's but, just build a wall but, around the area so no, no one falls off. We need the park. <laughs> we need the park back so we can have the Gilneans move somewhere that is cool instead of Darnassus. There's plenty of that that farm area where we, that weird quest where Anduin insists on almost getting assassinated three times. Oh, just yeah, build something right. over there. That's fine, too. <laughs> just give us some Gilnean stuff. If but we I, can't have Gilneas, give us some Gilnean stuff in Stormwind. I'm straight up arguing for giving us Gilneas. There's no point to not giving us Oh, Gilneas. I would, too. But they won't because it's so close to Undercity. But yeah. I would love that if they did do it. Like, that would be fantastic. You know what? Not only should they give us Gilneas... They should let the horde finally just move into Black Rock Mountain and make it a base. At this sure. point, those orcs are like, you know, who's even there anymore? It's like been beaten up so many times. The Black Rocks <laughs> are like, please, somebody take this place. Uh, you know, whatever, the Iron Horde, whoever, we don't care. Just, you know. And that would be great because Stormwind would keep looking at it like, oh, God, they're going to set off that Doomsday weapon. The horde, meanwhile, are like, do we still have that Doomsday weapon? Oh, no. No. <laughs> That thing was that thing was entirely too much trouble. Yeah, They're gonna uh, keep thinking we have one. I know it's running late, so we should yeah, probably. Yeah, but uh, interestingly, uh, there's a right before BlizzCon, the Activision Blizzard investors call is happening. Like right before BlizzCon, it's happening. But is I it, guess to get uh, a jump on that, they released the subscriber numbers tonight. Oh, did they? Uh, World of Warcraft is apparently sitting at five point five million. Which so, is down about a hundred thousand since last quarter, which is probably less of a drop than we expected. Yeah, it's yeah. almost nothing. Statistically, that's almost nothing. Yeah. Um, which is there you know, are other factors to consider. Like uh, I haven't really logged in in a month or two, but I'm yeah. completely paid up with WoW tokens. I don't yeah. have to worry about it. I'm going to have a subscription forever through WoW tokens. You logged in last week. And I didn't really play. I logged in. I listed my glyphs, and then I sat. We did the leveling player. stream last week? Oh yeah, the leveling stream doesn't count either. It totally does I count. Don't, I don't play in my free time. <laughs> like, like when I like sit down to game at night, when I'm done with my work, I don't go. Oh, I'm going to play World of Warcraft. I'll play like Heroes if it's a Blizzard game, or more recently like Binding of Isaac because expansion came out. Honestly, like World of Warcraft I, isn't what's exciting me right now. I, I hate to say this because I was one of the guys who was like, ah, flying doesn't really count. When I finally got flying, I actually started playing a lot more. I, I went and farmed up the uh, flight in Draenor, and I'm actually enjoying it now. I still don't have flight. I, pro- I would probably funny. never get it. It's not as bad to get it as I thought, although it's a lot of annoying. Like, I'll tell you right now, the worst part about that achievement is there's all these little fiddly places in every zone I hadn't been to. And it was literally just one place in every zone I hadn't been to. Oh, see, I've been everywhere. Uh, the only I, things that I had to do... The maps were clear. The maps were completely clear. I had no way of knowing I hadn't done this one spot. Oh, okay. You know, so I had to go find that one spot by clicking the achievement and going, where is that? And then running around until I found the spot I had. Like, you know, I looked it up. But let's be honest. I looked it up. Yeah. But, uh, I still need the pit. And for a while, I was logging in every day and checking to see if it would show up. And I got tired of checking and logging in. So I, I just never did it. And I sometimes I'll see alerts on Twitter like, oh, the pit is the daily today. And I'm like, eh, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I waited long enough to get that. I don't want it anymore. I just had to do, like, the reputations. That was it. That, and I had, like, a couple of the the go out and do things. I had the pit. It was, like, the other ones. There was a couple of the other ones that I didn't have. But, I mean, it was surprisingly easy to get accomplished. And, yeah, being able to fly, kind of handy. 
The thing is, the day I did it, it was actually like a bit. It was a bit grueling because I had to do a bunch of stuff I hadn't done, uh, like the treasure finder thing. But now that I've done it, I've actually found myself logging in almost every day, and sometimes I just fly around because okay. it's it's real pretty. Like seriously, this is a gorgeous expansion. Like you, when you're actually flying over the zones, even Gorgron looks amazing from up there. Yeah. It's like just wow. Okay, my God, this is a gorgeous expansion. But I mean, yeah, we've that's probably someone writing up that thing. We someone should be writing that up. I think someone it's, might have because Adam secretly told me about it in IMs while we were talking yeah. about other things. Well, there you go. Okay. Yeah, it's on the site. It's on Blizzard Watch World of Warcraft subscriptions down to five point so, five million. Alrighty, now this is the part of the show where we're done. So. Again, if you have a question or anything you'd like to send it to, um, you can email it to... Nope. I have to stop myself because I forgot to do the thing that I do where I ask Anne, would you like to tell our listeners about how they can join our team in Blizzard Watch? (laughs) Yes. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or even on the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Anne. Uh, especially thank you to Alex and Adam for putting up with me all these years. Um, if you have questions you'd like answered on the show, uh, don't forget you can email them to us, the uh, podcast at blizzardwatch.com. It's your emails that keep us you know, doing the show. So we appreciate any we want to send in. Uh, I'm Matt Rossi, and we'll see you next week.